once again into the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Barretos. This is episode 146. <laughs> I don't know why that number just hit me. As always, a reminder to rate, review, download, subscribe, and tell a friend for our lovely little podcast here. We have been getting a great number of downloads the last few weeks. You guys are listening. That means the world to me. And it also holds me over the fire to give you a good product. No shortcuts. Providing you good guests, great conversations. And along the way, hopefully we all get a little bit smarter about our incredible sport. Coming up this week, a man I've known for about 30 years covering this sport, Christian Miles. Going back to my old Fox Sports World and Fox Soccer Channel days, we will reminisce a little bit about those days and how the the soccer uh, media has changed so much. We go back to the very beginning where it all started, a very important beginning. He's also here so we can talk about the big LA Galaxy, LAFC game coming up on Sunday. Two clubs coming in with completely different momentum. The book is always that the Galaxy can spoil it for LAFC, but there is such a gap between the two. We'll talk about how the Galaxy are performing from his perspective as he works very closely with them. And uh, we'll also talk about Major League Soccer where there's a lot of good and a lot of bad happening. We'll break into that also. Can you believe it's been 13 months since we've had a USA-Mexico game? That run is about to end. I know it's a bit of a made-up fixture, but they will be playing next week in Glendale, Arizona. And let's embrace it. Let's get excited. Because what makes USA-Mexico this great rivalry is that they play so frequently. They'll also be playing a few times heading towards 2023. We will get you ready for that ahead on Stoppage Time. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Our commitment to excellence continues. The Soccer OG starts right now. We are back. Uh, special congratulations that I was watching this morning as I'm recording this on Tuesday, getting some Champions League back as well. To uh, And a lot of people that I know that are part of uh, uh, CBS Sports Golasso's new 24-hour service. Uh, I was watching some morning footy. Uh, congratulations to all those guys. I know it's a lot of work. That's the hardest part to get it up. I want to be talking to Christian Miles about starting a 24-hour soccer channel back in the day, but that was games. This is actual shows, which requires so much more production. Um, are we ready for a 24-hour soccer show? I'm not 100% sure, but I am confident that the folks at CBS aren't going to jump in here without doing the research and the focus groups and seeing how it could be uh, sustainable, uh, lucrative in some in some capacity, and they'll get responses from advertisers. And even if the listeners aren't in, if you can get some advertising going, you can buy yourself some time. And with time, shows get better, and uh, you build a connection with the audience. So uh, it's it's an exciting time, certainly for the sport, which continues to evolve. And really, just the last couple of years has picked up with the introduction from CBS, with the creation of Ted Lasso, with the creation of. Welcome to Wrexham, which had an incredible, you know, this, I mean, you're looking at that video where Notts County, in case you missed it, Notts County played Wrexham. Wrexham was winning 3-2. They are tied at points atop the uh, the National League. Is that what it's called? And Notts County hits that penalty. They'll remain tied. Wrexham wins it. They're going to get promoted. So penalty saved by Ben Foster, who took a big hit. Or did he? Was that a smart move to go down to the lower divisions and be part of this ride? If he was playing it, Queens Park Rangers, we wouldn't be hearing about him, but he's playing at Wrexham, and the love affair continues. But the amount of traffic that created was, again, just mind-blowing. The amount of traffic that Ted Lasso's creating is mind-blowing. You look at it, I know it's social media, and that's not really giving you an idea how many people are watching the show, but a lot of people are watching the show. And Welcome to Wrexham is sustainable. I jokingly tweeted, maybe we should have a spinoff on Knotts County. Someone wrote back to me, he goes, that's not a bad idea. And I'm like, oh boy. People would tune in. Because that's the thing. We're, we're happy for Wrexham, but part of you is like you're gutted for Knotts County. And really the, the conversation for promotion relegation, and I know I give you a different spin on that, is fortified because Ryan Reynolds came out and said, he goes, it's all possible because of that. Without promotion relegation, we wouldn't be there. And that's amazing. Um, we've got to separate promotion relegation in many ways, but this is compelling as it gets. But you have to be really patient to enjoy promotion relegation, right? Um, you, uh, 
the part in between is my issue when I have conversations about promotion relegation where people say it creates a compelling situation. Um, with West Ham and they're in a relegation fight. They won this weekend at Fulham. Hopefully that's over. But watching games with them or, or Leicester or Bournemouth, no one's doing it. No one's enjoying it. Those who are doing it, I certainly am not. That Fulham West Ham game was brutal. And that was like the best game they've had in three games. Anyhow, not to rain on anyone's parade, but and not to uh, get go off on a tangent, but it's really exciting stuff. You know, these fan fests, NBC's doing them, CBS is doing them. I just hope the money's right. And look, I, it, it all gives me pause. You want to know because this is an expensive business and I've been around and you've seen things come and go and you hope that they can stay afloat. And I want it to stay afloat because selfishly, you know, you want your sport to get a bigger footing and create more personalities and create more interest. And the interest is being created there. I can't really underestimate what Ted Lasso and Welcome to Wrexham. And, uh, and I, I may have been wrong about those initially, but I've seen it now and I'm like, wow, brilliant. Bring it on board. Had a great weekend in Seattle, covering Sounders St. Louis City, uh, getting on the road with MLS. It's finally, I'm finally getting into the groove. I don't think I'm so rusty with my broadcast anymore. I've let you guys be the judge of that. Uh, it was a top of the ladder matchup. Great goal by Josh Atencio. It's good to see these players step up because we end up talking about them. And, you know, I, I, I went to cover a lot of games in Seattle, but it hasn't been in a few years. So getting back there, uh, it's, uh, it's tremendous. And seeing the fans, etc. Um, and circling the width and breadth of this country. So now on to the next week. By the way, I'm going to go to the CONCACAF Champions. And a little thing, it's my birthday. So I'm going to the CONCACAF. I'm not telling you. I, I keep it, when you get my age, you keep it under your hat. So I just shared that with you. But I'm going to go to the CONCACAF Champions League second leg. BMO Stadium, LAFC, Vancouver Whitecaps. Um, I really enjoy being on the road with these MLS players and coaches and personalities. They're really interesting people. And the conversations I've had have been tremendous and very complimentary, and I appreciate that. Saturday, I'm traveling to Columbus, so I haven't been to Lower.com Field, the new one at Columbus, but I've got to see that, and that's a great game. So I have a good stretch here of games. MLS has got to work hard on keeping that standard up. Speaking of, standard hit uh, a very big blow this weekend, and the videos are just so difficult to absorb with Dante Van Zier admitting that he used a racial slur uh, towards Jeremy Obobese. Saint Jeremy Obobese handled it so well, and he had a wonderful um, comment afterwards where he didn't throw people under the bus. He, 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 he mentioned and reiterated how he wanted to do the due diligence. And, you know, racism has to be stamped out in this sport. Uh, whether you meant it or not. In the past, many players that have been caught saying that, or if they said it, denied it. And you can't, unless you have proof, You, it doesn't hold up. So this is a case where the, the guy admitted it. And Gerard Struber, the coach of the New York Red Bulls, didn't take him off, despite some of the teammates of the Red Bulls of Van Zier, who's a new player, um, saying uh, that he said it. And... You know, people are, are reacting to it now. What should the punishment look like? Some are saying out for the season or just throw them out of the league. And uh, I don't want to be in that. Um, I know it's very serious. I don't want to be in that group. Um, I was thinking we we have an opportunity to fix Dante Van Zier. Because uh, just a reminder about the world, it, it, as bad as race relations feel here, at least we're having them. And we're so advanced. We have a horrible history of relationships uh, between white Americans and black Americans. And we're trying to address them. And there's been a lot of successes and there's still a lot left on the table. But we're having them. In places in Europe, they are not having them. Part of it is because they're not a diverse population like we are. So in many ways, we're forced to have them because this is us. This is, we are, these are our neighbors. These are our friends. And we want to make it good for everyone because they deserve that. Uh, everyone should have uh, the means to have a good life here without any complications because somebody doesn't like the color of your skin or your culture. But um, that said, I think we got to remember that. And I think Dante Van Zier admitted it because in, in his world, it, it may be okay, which doesn't make it right. But 
I think we suspend him, let's say a month, maybe two months. And we've got to make a lesson learned because we also don't want to discourage people from admitting it because I don't want the next guy to say that, say, no, I didn't say it. I want them to react the way Dante Van Zier did, said, yeah, I said it. And I want us to fix him and talk about why it's important and why you've got to uh, eradicate this and change, massive changes in you. And Gerhard Struber, for not taking action, has to go through the same thing. He should face a suspension as well. But I don't want to throw this guy out of life because of this. If he, and he had a statement and he's willing to um, make change, that's progress already. Whether he does it or not, we've got to force him. If he doesn't do it after that time, then see you later. But I think it's important in Major League Soccer to set a standard and show the rest of the world this isn't okay because it's happening in other places, in European leagues in particular, in South American leagues in particular. Uh, No one's holding them to the fire. They have no idea how to handle this because they haven't been dealing with it. And sometimes when they think they're helping race relations, they're actually making it worse. So it's it's an obviously very uncomfortable conversation to have, but I, I, I want us to fix Dante Van Zier, and I think he wants to be fixed. I think this is probably hitting him like a fist. He's staying up. What happened? And then and, and then maybe he has that sit down with Jeremy Abobasi. These are the great moments of this and say, this is why it bothers me. This is why he can't say it. This is a country. This is what happened. Directly related. Uh, I've spoken to Jeremy Abobasi. He's an incredible young man, very serious. And, you know, he's very aware of things. So, but I'm glad it was him too, because the way he handled it. And I think he would... Uh, move it forward. But I want to handle that in the right way. And I, uh, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit more about soccer, but we certainly keep it close here with Major League Soccer as well, as we're, we're involved so much into it. And we'll talk about LAFC and the Galaxy and the, um, the differing fortunes of these two clubs when I have Christian Miles here on the business end. Lots to look forward to in the, the, the club game. I was, I was watching Morning Footy and I, they had a, 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 a bottom line saying, is the Serie A back because they had three teams make the quarterfinals. And I'm like, no. City has not back. City has got so many bad teams. City is going to be tough to push in this country. It's going to, uh, I'm glad this happened. I don't know how it happened, but it did. But we'll see if that goes. Um, the good race is in the Bundesliga. Dortmund winning. So they're keeping pressure on Bayern Munich. That's all we could ask for. Uh, the English race, I'd like to think it's on. Arsenal comes down a peg as they... Gave up a two-goal advantage, Liverpool tied, and that allowed Manchester City, who look absolutely irresistible, to move forward. Manchester City are going to be kept busy with the Champions League. Uh, They have that big game against Bayern, which I cannot wait to see. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. I'm sure you're going to join it as well. And then you have the... uh, The La Liga race, which is well over, right? Real Madrid losing to Villarreal was one of the better games. Chukweze scoring a couple goals. We talk about Folar and Balogun. I mean, he can't go to England, right? Well, he can't go to Nigeria when you have Osimhen and Chukweze and others <laughs> in front of you. Um, that uh, This decision is pretty easy. We'll talk about the U.S. men's national team coming up uh, in uh, stoppage time. But... Uh, it seems like a it seems like his only pathway right now if he wants to play at this moment. So a lot of uh, ground to cover, short time to get there. The Soccer OG podcast, rate, review, download, subscribe. Check out the Soccer OG on YouTube under my name Max Pretos. We have a USA Mexico video that I just posted. Leave a comment, uh, subscribe, like us. Uh, I'd love to interact with you there on that platform as well. And we're just getting started. Business end with Christian Miles talking. Galaxy LAFC, all things MLS, the history of the televised sport here in the United States. That's next. Welcome back here on the Soccer OG. We're in the business end and an interview that has taken way too long to take place. Somebody I've known for also way too long, longer (laughs) than I care to mention because it goes way back. And the years fly by, Christian Miles, the years fly by. It didn't seem that long ago that we were driving the Atlantic seaboard, covering the Champions World Series, doing games in Philadelphia and New York and Connecticut and who knows where else. It felt like it was just yesterday, but now looking back, it was 20 years ago. 
Good God, man. Is this called? It makes me feel like a soccer fossil, but good times. Yeah, I remember our, our Champions World Series expedition very fondly, my friend. Um, we'll keep some of those other occurrences on the unmentioned. What are you talking about? But, what are you talking but, about? Uh, yes, it was great. The good times and, you know, good one day you're, you know, interviewing uh, Alessandro Del Piero. The next day you're doing Pele in front of 80,000 people. It was, I hold those times in high regard and uh, all the times traveling too as well. Yeah, and just to you know, give full clarity here. I mean, we got after it, and we were on the road, and we were young, so we oh, were yeah. on the road. We we couldn't believe it. We're covering Manchester United and Chelsea and Celtic and yeah. Inter Milan and Juventus, and we're in a car. And, <laughs> and by the way, one of the I remember we did the game in Philadelphia. It was the first game ever at Lincoln Financial Field. So all those Eagle fans, I'm sorry. I did the first broadcast. We did. We did the first broadcast. Absolutely. So, it was Sly Stallone in the stands. <laughs> so we'd get out. We'd get after it. And have a couple Absolutely. have a couple sea tails and a, a local watering hole and then go to the next place. Yeah, make a bad name for ourselves and never show our face again. Yeah, but it, it set the table. So this was just part of it. And actually, I was watching uh, uh, Congratulations to CBS Sports Golasso. They have this new 24-hour soccer channel. And uh, this morning show with uh, uh, Nico Cantor and Susanna Collins and Alexis Guerrero called Morning Footy, which is pretty comprehensive. It's fantastic. And it, it just brought back memories to the original all 24-hour soccer channel in Fox Sports World and Fox Soccer Channel, which we were able to participate in. And there's a lot of good stories. And, Miles, I want to create a uh, a uh, documentary okay. or, or write a book about it, which would probably end my career. But uh, I think it's important. <laughs> To uh, I think people would be into it. I think people, it, it won't end my career. I won't say everything, but maybe a few little tidbits. Yeah, it'll, it'll read like a rock star's diary. It'll be great. Just make sure you write that after your testimonial and after you've hung up your boots for good, so to speak. But yeah, there's a lot. You got a lot of material, my friend. We uh, had a good, it was a, a tremendous run. And I, it, just looking back, Milesy, to see how this sport has grown. I, I brought uh, Christian as well because we have the... Uh, whatever you want to call it, El Trafico, El Clasico Angelino, the Galaxy host LAFC. So we'll break into that a bit because it's a, it's an intriguing game uh, because of the rivalry itself, but also the the differing fortunes of the two clubs. So it's a, it's a really benchmark moment for the Galaxy and, and a chance to get well very quickly if they can do what they've done historically and win there at uh, Dignity Health Sports Park over LAFC. But while we're here, we just talk about it because you have a good perspective. I always talk about it to the audience here about how this sport has changed. I always talk about how we had the Premier League and the rights were a million dollars. We had the Serie A and La Liga and the rights were free. They gave you the rights to broadcast that. So this was 1998, 1999, heading to the early 2000s. And now we have this, this sport, you know, I mean, just looking at yesterday with Wrexham, which was a huge story where these uh, um, American celebrities with very deep pockets are creating a show, a real life show where these teams are going to face promotion and people are getting into that. Ted Lasso's another one, which is gaining new fans, which is fantastic. It's there. It's hard to believe that all this is there. But when you think about where we were and where we are now, uh, oh you could, it's it's hard to even gauge really. It's like coming out of the Stone Age into mar modernity, excuse me. I mean, think of it as like someone who was born in like 1900 and, and, and lived till, you know, the early 2000s, if you would. I mean, you go from, you know, horse and buggy all the way to Internet and everything at, available at your fingertips. It's night and day. And, you know, it's no longer as consolidated, I guess, for lack of a better word, as it was with us. Where yeah. you know, All you and I to do is being the, the soccer obsessed goons we are is just go down the hallway and, and walk down the hall at Fox Sports and take, hey, on the right, there's SPL and over here is the Premier League. And then there's La Liga in this quarter. And then we've got some Libertadores down at voiceover, you know, voiceover booth 10, 10 of maybe 15 voiceover booths, perhaps in that building. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a lot of crazy things happen in those voiceover booths. Yeah. Quite fragrant voiceover booths, as I remember as well. Uh, <laughs> cutting edge, cutting edge commentary uh, provided in the most uh, hilarious of circumstances, if you know what I mean. But man, I mean, just thinking about it, just, I mean, shoestring budgets, people don't know. I mean, every time I'm on a show, we talk about the old days, you know, we can't stress it up. Just what we were trying to conjure up with what we had. 
it was just so minute. And I, I'm, you know, it, it, we take some bumps and bruises. It was warts and all pretty proud of those days. It was fun. And it kind of set the foundation to, you know, where the game is now. It really did. And that's the point, uh, Miles E, is that when we were doing it, I truly believe no one was watching. I go, who's watching this stuff? <laughs> Who, who's tuning in to watch Huachipato versus Ucatolica at 3 p.m. on a Saturday? And why are we doing live Chilean broadcasts? I go, no one's and I'd, I'd sit there and go, this is this is going nowhere. But years later, I would have people come up to me and say, uh, dude, we, we tuned all the time. This was important to me. Yeah. Or they get, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but they would get starstruck. A kid coming, oh my God, yeah. I grew up watching. Did it happen to you as well? It had to. A lot of people could come on. And I remember the old show with Lionel Bienvenue, and, which I served as a, a producer and a writer for. And then it kind of carved out my own little niche segment called the Fox Sports World Report. And I get a lot of people coming back. I missed the Fox Sports World Report. And you know, your, your infantile 13-year-old boy voice and everything. <laughs> Yeah, I was. Uh, it's funny. A lot of people remember those days. All the old diehard dinosaurs out there. I know there's a lot of you out there, but we certainly appreciate the shouts out, the support, and it's uh, it's funny how that stuff just resonates for so long. It does, uh, and it's gonna always have an important part. And I, I truly believe it's shows like that make everything else very possible uh, moving forward. I don't want to take too much credit, but without that, I mean, I don't think people. I don't think, for instance, like NBC would look at it and say, "Hey, maybe this will work." Let's just blow it out a bit let's invest some money let's mm -hmm. let's give it a bigger platform they did and because those things don't come out of nowhere again it's naive to think that in this world in this day and age where uh everything has a, a platform and there's streaming services and there's networks uh in, in uh just a, a tizzy to see what they can get and where they could build it and overpaying for it everything's overpaid for nothing is worth it all these soccer rights fees nothing is worth what people are paying for but they are paying for it which makes it it's gives it its own value but yeah. maybe it would have happened eventually but you know it had to start somewhere and um and as you said it was all consolidated and that'll never happen again and people say would like i miss that i go well that's that ship has sailed it's just too far gone where uh these networks are using um these leagues as an anchor, whether it's NBC and the Premier League, whether it's CBS and the Serie A, whether it's CBS and the Champions League, these are important things that are our subscriber base that are helping them hit their goals. Yeah. And they have to be hitting their goals some way. Otherwise, it wouldn't be happening right now. Everyone would be, be getting out of the soccer business. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of a new frontier. And they're in the stages of these building blocks, you know, where the the manner in which the game is consumed is so different you could throw your your employer into the mix as well mls and apple you know with the success of ted lasso and now mls season pass coming into fruition so yeah and uh it's it's you know you had to fight for a platform back in the day and there there weren't as many as readily available and it was as simple we couldn't even do this podcast back in the day <laughs> you know, no anyway. one no one would care yeah one we couldn't have figured it out but uh anyway that's what will we talk about <laughs> exactly but um, yeah, it's just the, the availability has changed and the way it's presented has changed. And it's it's great because anybody can watch it right now. I mean, even if you are, you know, the most prehistoric when it comes to operating technology, like some of us like myself are, you can access it. It makes it a lot easier and uh, it, it brings it to a whole new level and a different dimension of fandom. And it's going to be interesting to me to see, you know, how far it's come, where it was. And then where it goes from here. Um, and, and that to me is the great unknown. I'm kind of excited to watch it unfold. What stood out, I mean, for you and what did you learn on certain days? Because and I, I encourage people that are new to the sport, don't be intimidated. Don't ask what you think might be stupid questions because there aren't any. Because if you're new to it, you've got to absorb it and you've got to go to the process that Christian and I did. We we were covering these leagues. We didn't know anything about it, but we learned along the way. And we're like, wow, that's so interesting. I didn't know that. I didn't know that uh, Dortmund and Schalke were rivals. I didn't yeah. know where uh, where these cities were, where these were. I Lazio, Lazio's in Rome, yada, yada. We, it, I know it sounds rudimentary, but we were kind of learning along the way in every league. And that was my favorite part where I was getting smarter and wiser, where I have this, this information now in my head about everything that um what we were covering i was just cracking up i go why do they call it shalka 04 and i do the math yeah. that makes sense 
I, and, you know, these names are these names are crazy. But then you'd you'd learn the history, and it would be very important that you would be equipped with it. Did you have any of those that, that uh, stood out? I remember when we 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 I would cover the Bundesliga at the very beginning. We had the, this Kaiser Slaughter team, and they uh, they kind of got promoted, and then they they won the Bundesliga shield, and then they disappeared. I think they're in Bundesliga too, but it was an incredible situation. They had this manager Otto Rehagel who would Otto, lead King Rudy. Otto. He got, so I was like, oh, wow. So I was all in on that. And then they had a player which almost got me fired on a couple occasions. I know where you're going with this. His name was Harry Cock. So, which is the wrong pronunciation. How do you pronounce it? Harry Cock. Well, it's, Cock. My, it's actually my my uh, mother's maiden name. And it's how Harry Cock. But we got good intel from our cracked researchers that it was pronounced Cock. Well, there, that that's the crack research for us. <laughs> <laughs> so we would have some some double entendres or whatever with his name. Yes. It would be very fun. But yeah. uh, th those were, I mean, what, there's some moments where you go, wow, I can't believe that is what it is. Or why is that called that? Or yeah, why do these teams play? Why is this so important? Why is there a team in South America called the strongest? The strongest. Oh, O'Higgins. For instance, we would do a Chilean Libertadores game, a team O'Higgins. I go, who's this O'Higgins character? I would find yeah. out later. He was the famous Chilean liberator. They named a club after him. Yeah, it's great. I mean, there's so we can do this all day. I mean, go down a rabbit hole of all the, the basically you're learning to, I think, is just the, the learning curve that we experienced. And, you know, we were learning on the fly. We, you know, we're just thrown into it. And you just thrown into the deep end, see if you can sink or swim and, uh, as far as specific moments, yeah, th those are the, some of the ones where the funny names stand out because they're so humorous. And I know you and I would joke off camera about it. And we had an all name team that, you know, consisted of Pinga, Brazil, and <laughs> amongst many others. Harry was on that one as well. Um, there was a, there was a Brazilian player called his name was pronounced T I N G A, but in yes. Brazil you pronounce the T like a ch. So yeah. it, it, it sounded like a word that you really shouldn't say in Spanish, which means the mm. act to fornicate so you just kind of stared at the screen and go oh boy and you couldn't stop laughing sometimes i remember the first time it came out of your mouth like you were you were very professional i'm gonna give you full kudos. i would i highly doubt that i knowing you as i do i, I noticed just a little bit of a snigger there when you're on the mic it was uh and and i didn't you know of course me being as white as toothpaste was like what what are you talking about <laughs> and you explained it to me and i you know and then every, every time i saw it i was like oh tee -hee -hee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you made a good point it was we didn't uh those that was my first real gig so i was learning on i mean i was green and you know yeah. people were like this guy i mean we'll grow up i go dude i'm 22 years old calling 10 soccer games a day what do you want me to do i'm <laughs> gonna can't. have some left i'm probably if it was the internet age i probably wouldn't be here right now probably wouldn't have a job but thank goodness for that yes yes it, yeah it was crazy i mean all the you know learning about you know, celtic and Rangers rivalry with you and I having a boss from Scotland from Glasgow in particular was very educational. Um, that was uh, one that stood out to me. Oh, as wait well. a minute. On that note, remember we were on the Champions World Series, you interviewed Martin O'Neill and you said, are you knackered? And then he I looked knackered. at you like you just insulted his mother. Exactly. Exactly. And he's like, I think his reply was, wait, you can say that on American television? And I go, yes, of course. Anyway, Martin, back to the. Yeah. <laughs> that was a, that was another one because uh this was this was a story that is i i tell people all the time and it just goes to show you the difference yeah. between um how we cover sports and how the rest of the world does yeah. but they uh it, the premier league they had a couple chinese players join the league mm -hmm. and it over there not it's not i don't think it's like this anymore but there was a it's a derogatory <laughs> term that we have here that they use pretty freely to describe someone from mm -hmm. china and yeah. it kept going over the air and go, they can't say that. So we yeah. would, our boss would keep calling, go, stop using that expression. And they would keep doing it. And then eventually you would hear it phased out because yeah. you're going to an American audience, you can't use it. So they'd start saying Chinese international. So yeah. uh, it was like moments like that. You're like, wow, we, this, we're covering the world's game and things are so different. And some things are acceptable there. And we can't be critical of that. It's just different. We are, we have a different standard in the United States. Yeah, it's cultural vernacular, you know, plays a large role in it, too. I mean, I remember when I referred to um, El Matador, Luis Suarez, and, uh, yeah. and the striker who was playing for the Galaxy, you know, back in the early days. And 
I called him the Mexican. And one of our producers came up to me. It was, you know, Amer he was growing, uh, raised in America. He's like, you can't say, what, did, what did you just say? I said, well, he's the Mexican. I mean, he's Mexican. He's in Mexico. But I was steered away from, from that type of expressionism just because of the vernacular so different here. I think it's kind of the case in every culture. Everyone's got their certain, you know, do's and don'ts. So it definitely contributed to that steep learning curve you were talking about when you're talking about Shulka, who I didn't know anything about Shulka, by the way, but one of my good friends' last name was Shulka. And so immediately upon hearing this, I thought, and she was from that area as well. I thought, oh my God, is my friend part of Shulka 04? And part of <laughs> Are you related to yeah, Shulka yeah. of Shulka yeah. 04? Exactly, exactly. Um, are you from Gelsenkirchen? But yeah, yeah I just part of that is all, all that stuff, all that funny stuff you learn, you know, you're, you ruffle feathers on along the way, you piss people off. I know. Um, I remember one of my favorite old uh, looks back on, on the old Fox Sports World Day was comparing hate mails that we would get, <laughs> to, you know, who, who would get the most derogatory, the most incendiary and most spiteful and hateful hate mail. Yeah. And, oh, I, I was probably Webster and I was talking about it with our old rugby buddy, Brian Vizard, uh, just this past oh, week ago. And uh, Brian. Yeah, he's great. He, we were having a laugh over some pints after rugby gave it about it. And he's like, oh, these hate mails Max used to get, he'd read them to me. And I couldn't stop laughing. I, I have a stack of them and still. I go, Listen, Viz, I got a few myself. And we proceeded to go down the list, you know, of the old Christian Miles has, has the body of a toothpick and a head of a watermelon along those lines. <laughs> Rude. I'm sorry I wrote that about you. I really, I should have, I should have said it to you in person. So anyhow, uh, you know, one thing that's grown too, we started covering major league soccer and we hit the road and we did these games. And again, this was, you know, the league was like eight, seven, eight, nine years into its existence. Yeah. Was and it like it, 2008, 2006, 2008 or something like Maybe that. it's a little bit further into existence, yeah. but man, it was terrible. You're like, you'd say that. And there was like 10 teams. You're like, man, this is, is this going to yeah. survive? I, I just can't yeah. believe it. these empty stadiums. We'd go there and these football stadiums. I go, I don't know. And thankfully it has, and it's gotten stronger and stronger. And it's great to see the league do that. Uh, and now we're in a pretty good place with this big Apple TV deal. And um, mm. uh, You have 29 teams and several of the new clubs are filling their stadium, uh, whether it's 20,000 seats, 30, 40, even in like these in Atlanta or Charlotte, where they can go well above that. It's a, it's a remarkable um shift and it's still growing so i know mls has its uh detractors and people that just don't want it uh kind of mentioned in the same breath as these big european leagues but i truly believe and we got to be patient it's probably 20 years away from where it could be kept amongst the top leagues but i truly believe at least in the united states the premier league is going to be huge and i think mls will become number two and then maybe further down the road it could be number one because it's a familiar league because Americans can pick a favorite club and, and get immersed into it. And that's happening every day in cities all over the country. And eventually they'll loosen the financial restrictions and big stars will come here. Um, and they'll do maybe not just big stars will come here, but they'll develop big stars and they'll stay here. Yeah. So yeah. it's all going to happen. We, we just got to be very patient, but I mean, have you seen this MLS growth? Cause we were there again where we we're like, wow, this isn't going to work. It's not going to work. Yeah, but it has. We're waiting for the shoe to drop, like it did on the NASL days. You know, I, I remember it's like ten teams. Oh my gosh! And I remember when I was part of the the Chivas USA expansion back in you know two thousand five, and after several contractions, you look back and fast forward to two thousand twenty three. You're looking about roughly like seventeen teams in nineteen years, roughly or so, you know, around that type of numbers so that rate of expansion is a testament to the growth of what you're talking about i think it's kind of proof of the being in the pudding so to speak uh so yeah and and it goes back to i think what you and i were talking about earlier where yeah we've seen the growth from then to now now where is that gonna go i'm the next incarnation of growth and what is that growth gonna look like it, i think it's gonna be younger obviously and it yes. kind of skewed younger um it's gonna be it's consumed way different than we did way different than our mothers and fathers did um, and it's going to be different than what our, our kids are consuming right now, what that next step is going to be. And that's kind of, I think, in the back of the collective MLS mind. So it's interesting. Uh, it's it's kind of a pioneering territory. And it's kind of an ongoing pioneering wave, I guess, so to speak, to see where it is now and see where it will go. So let's talk about where it is going now. And this weekend, Dean Lee Hill Sports Park, Sunday. You had uh, to go there. 
Yeah, of course. Well, look, I I will preface <laughs> this that I mean I've watched almost all the Galaxy games. I've watched every LAFC game since the beginning. Uh, but I, this season I've I've delved into the games. Yeah. And it's you know, it's a it's a it comes at a very interesting time, this fixture. LAFC are one of two clubs who have yet to taste defeat. They are 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 storming through. Denny Buanga just scored this hat trick. The, their defense is one of the best in the league. I think they've scored have allowed they've allowed one goal in their last five league games. Plus, they're scoring the goals. Then you have the Galaxy, who have yet to win a game, which is absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. Uh, they uh, there is there is the issues with the supporters, which I think are very real. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Where I think. At the beginning of the season, people thought it might go away, and it's not. And you've got to really bend your ear to see what the, you've got to listen to the supporters. The good clubs have that relationship with their supporters, and they the supporters have a seat at the table. So you have that. But the Galaxy, I, I got to say, and I was watching the Houston game. They're they're not threatening in front of goal, which is a problem. But they do they 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 seem like they get real close. They have good players. Ricky Pooch is excellent. Brugman is a great number six. Then you have some nice pieces coming up like Jalen Neal. And uh, there, it would certainly appear, you know, Jovalich is not scoring goals, but he is class. Chicharito's coming back now. You see these games where they're, okay, they look like one of the better teams in the West. And then something happens and it all collapses. And like we saw at Houston, they didn't get the calls. They haven't gotten the calls in the last two games. Although not, you mean, I think more so the Houston game than the prior game where we had Greg Vanny talk about the handball against mm-hmm. Nuhu of Seattle. But it's it's amazing to see how a team that the calls don't fall their way and then it just collapses. And that's what happened. Um, the VAR took away a penalty uh, decision and then VAR gave a penalty to Houston. That led to the Casares red card where he did something crazy where he wanted to kind of look at the monitor. Douglas Costa, the same thing. Just a, a absurd moment from him where he just lost his cool. I imagine his frustration. Hector Herrera just got a red card, and then he does that. It's It's got to be just beyond infuriating for fans to see how badly he could fall away. Because it's like one of those things. Anything bad that can happen will, and that happened for the Galaxy. So in, in closing, Miles, and you can tell me more so on this, through it all, it feels like the Galaxy are close where they can get some results. They The goals seem like they're on the cusp of happening. But when they don't, things go from bad to as bad as it possibly could. Yeah, it's kind of part of the frustrating narrative built into this team right now. You talked about some of the refereeing decisions, but you've know, got to be honest, the, the, the problems are of their own making right now. It's a team that entered the season very much a work in progress. That is a matter of discussion for why that was allowed to transpire when you had the entire winter to deal with issues, especially when you know you've got an upcoming international transfer ban this summer, because coming this summer, you're not going to be able to be rescued like you were in the summer of 2022 when you brought in Brugman, you brought in Push, they transformed it. And then all of a sudden, everybody's fearing the galaxy, including LAFC, which were pushed to the brink in the playoffs before LFC went on to win everything. Um, so as to why that happened, that is a big matter of discussion. I think that's part of this fan frustration and this growing divide between the front office and the fans and every rightfully so. I I, I question it myself. I, you look back and you're sitting there in February and going, why are these moves being made now? Why And why are they not being made now? You know, because it's very much an incomplete type of situation when you have Samuel Grancier who was left out Kevin Cabral, who was sent off to Colorado, those players not replaced. And here you are opening day. The Galaxy had to thank their lucky stars that, you know, the, the, the El Trafico was canceled at, at the Rose Bowl because they were nowhere near ready. And it, it yeah. showed the second week when they lost 3-1 against FC Dallas. And all in all, the fixture list has been pretty light. It's starting to thicken up right now after, you know, a match against Seattle and then the blunder against Houston and then this coming weekend and then Austin and then Orlando. And this is where really the rubber is going to hit the road. But there's a growing sense of frustration. There's a sense that, hey, this was a team that should have been rebuilt, retooled in the offseason. It wasn't. You've got the situation with Chris Klein, who was given a renewal here. Fans have said enough's enough. They have case. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you say, hey, you know, the, the game's nothing without supporters. The Galaxy need to extend an olive branch. Supporters want to feel valued. 
They don't need to be empowered and make decisions, but they need to be valued and they need to take their views into account. And rightfully so. These Galaxy Supporters Group, the Riot Squad, the Victoria Bloc as a whole is not being included. Dialogue has been minimal at best. Um, and the nature of that dialogue has you know, not exactly been productive. It's at loggerheads. Here you are at, at the worst start in club history right now in terms of victories, like you mentioned. You got three goals scored. Um, and if you want to get into the Houston game, we can, but it was, to me, it's an adir, an absolute low. Uh, I Disgraceful is, is the way I would put it. Um, regardless of the referee decisions, which, you know, are valid, um, the team just really did itself a disgrace and things leadership comes with accountability in my estimation, then there has to be some, because it has to, that is the, the bedrock of setting a standard and the galaxy have lost that standard, unfortunately. And that is the reality of the situation. Along comes this El Trafico, you know, nothing can make, it could be the perfect tonic, like, you know, a win against your, your noisy neighbors and hated rivals who are, you know, hitting all the heights, hitting all the right notes. If ever there was a contrast in, in MLS modern day and MLS, what it used to be, it's these two teams that are separated, you know, just by a matter of miles. So a victory could really alleviate a lot of the woes, but man, there is a laundry list of reasons to be upset and it feeds into this overall frustration narrative. And I know the players are upset. Um, coach is obviously upset as you've seen. And uh, it, you know, nothing like a win in a derby could rectify that. And, and I was speaking to John Thorrington and I was at the LFC training yesterday. And he's like, yeah, that's what, that's what's happened in the past. You know, we are flying high and we play the galaxy specifically at their park and, and they get one over us and everything kind of falls apart and we have to reset it. And we get really tight because we haven't won there. Um, that's the one thing yeah. that the galaxy still have over LAFC is that they have never unblemished record. Uh, a couple yeah. of draws, but generally I think it was like eight games. They've won six of them. They have been excellent there. They knocked them out at the, uh, the U S open cup last season. And it, you see a different LAFC in many ways when they play is, or when they play, mm -hmm down there in Carson. And but this feels different because the struggles, how good LAFC look and how bad the Galaxy uh are feeling and how can they can they find that that flicker? Can Greg Vanny who, you know, he had some pretty choice words, he he took his team to task after Houston uh saying, you know, this is a disgrace to the brand. I mean, this is we we can't have this. So that the players have to deal with it. Now he has he's got two players suspended. I mean, I I don't see it taking place and this is kind of like the wounded animal and lafc can kind of come in and say now's the time we if we're if we're ever going to beat them here this is the time to do it so yeah. i would predict and i think everyone else would predict lafc to win it but what a it is a gift for the galaxy and by the yeah. way you made a good point if they played at the opening week the lafc would have probably ran right through them the way yeah. that they had looked and how unprepared the galaxy had been so it was a blessing that the the rain washed that game away literally but now they play here very early. And by the way, they'll play two more times. So this is going to be, you know, usually this new neutral game allows a third game, which is good because this is the biggest, this will be the biggest, it's not the yeah. biggest fixture now, but it will become the biggest fixture because you have the two teams in the same city. So there's a, it, it's hard to imagine that it's going to change, but at least there's an opportunity for the Galaxy to do it. And just to go back to the supporters thing, I watched the Seattle game, which was the last home game for the Galaxy, and it was so quiet. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was it was uncomfortably quiet in there. You could hear conversations in the stands between people, which is the last thing you want to hear when you turn on a game. And it's hard. You don't want to watch a game when it's got yeah. that. You it's know, a library. It sounds like you're watching golf. <laughs> exactly. It was. It was and that is by design, by the supporters not being there. And that alone is a reason to open up that dialogue in a big way because we need it. If anything with this league has, it's it has developed a fan culture which makes these games a spectacle. Maybe the play on the field doesn't match that. Maybe uh, uh, everything else pales in comparison. But we have developed that and we've got to plug into it. And now the Galaxy can't. So there's a lot of things at play there. Um, and... All that said, if LA, if the Galaxy were to beat LAFC, I think in normal circumstances, all right, we're back on the rails, we're going. I don't know if Galaxy can quite say that yet, even yeah. if they, by the end of Sunday, they get the win. 
the team has got so many issues. Like a laundry list, like I said, there's a lack of width in this team. They're very predictable going forward, extremely narrow, no bite in the penalty area. Um, it's such a shame when you have one of the best midfield trios, I believe, in MLS and, and Brugman and Puj, as you mentioned, and you throw in Mark Delgado, who brings some of that steel and bite in there. And that trio is, is, is as good as anybody's is trio. I'll put them up against anybody in Major League Soccer. But the supporting cast around them has just not been good enough. And Tyler Boyd was brought in to, to bring an extra element, and it hasn't really resulted in, in, in translated into the success we wanted to, despite some bright moments from him. Um, the Galaxy are predictable um, when they become stretched and the lines become disconnected. They are extremely vulnerable on the counterattack. Not to say that the back four has been good. I think it has been as a, as, as a whole. It's defended well. And having a number six, the quality of Brugman, who's able to break up play and kind of play that, you know, distributor, destroyer, well, uh, destroyer role so well has, has really provided the protection. And, and Jonathan Klinsman, uh, you know, really hasn't missed too much of a beat. He's had a couple of moments of, of brilliance and a couple of faux pas uh, that he will be quick to acknowledge himself. Um, so, yeah, it is far from the finished article. A lot of work needs to be done. Um, and there's still some moves to be made, I believe, because you know, we have the primary transfer window closing in, what, 13 days from now. I, I'm expecting some moves that, to happen, and they they really need it. They They need some more horses to run the race because right now they're getting outclassed. And you, you play the Galaxy, and you know what's coming. I mean, they, the first 25 minutes against the Portland Timbers were excellent, but it was a Timbers team without nine first-team players, you know, on an inter international window. Um, the Galaxy slow out of the gates against the Seattle Sounders, but put together, you know, one of the best second halves I've, I've seen of any club this season of any game um, and outclassed the Sounders. Now, yes, the situation was where the Sounders were sitting on a nice lead, but nevertheless, they took it to them, and trying to break down somebody who's sitting back on you is no easy task, and the Galaxy did really well didn't come away with a result, but there are moments there, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it, it all came to a new gear this weekend. Um, yeah. I have a real issue with Douglas Costa. I, I think it's that was terrible. I, I, I have the opinion. It's, it's just it's, when you, when it couldn't get any lower and you needed yeah. someone just to kind of see out this game to do that, then yeah. it's just showing it's an incredible level of, so, of lack of awareness. It was yeah. terrible. Well, and, and same thing can be said for Casares, but they're two different sendings off. I mean, Casares is born out of frustration and a sheer competitive desire. And you look at Douglas Costa. This is a mirror red card of what he he does this, yeah, in June of 2022 when he brought down Joe Rosales in that home loss to Minnesota United. It is born of petulance. He doesn't want to be here. He's taking money, and I, quite frankly, wow. if I'm being honest, it's 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 insulting to the club to have someone of his stature who's fallen so far from grace and now is treating this club because if you go back to the beginning of the season, he didn't arrive fit. He was in Brazil. He was openly seeking suitors to take up because he wanted to go back and he reluctantly comes back, doesn't come back fit. He hasn't played 90 minutes and I don't think he's ever played 90 minutes. And you know, and this is what I mean by cer certain standards have to be upheld. And there's a lot of, and there's a growing voice where this guy should never be allowed to wear the Galaxy shirt again. And I'm not too sure I'm not too far from that because that manner of behavior, three sendings off, three red cards, and 29 appearances for a designated player who hasn't played 90 minutes uh, is just, quite frankly, insulting to someone wear that to wear the jersey. So that that's where that lies. And I expect a long, lengthy ban for violent conduct, uh, you know, something around two to three games perhaps. But yeah, it's not good enough, and uh, it forces the Galaxy to go shorthanded. But, you know, I'm not going to get into predictions with El Trafico. You're just setting yourself up to failure because it's a derby. You throw it all out the window. You and I have seen too many of these things where the craziness happens. I mean, back to the Zlatan game in 2018 to everything that's transpired through you guys' playoff wins. There's no sense in getting into that. You guys are clearly the favorites. All the pressure is on LAFC. The Galaxy have nothing to lose. I think you're absolutely right. This fixture is a gift, but you know, to pick the galaxy as a winner, ooh, that's really I can't see it. That, that's I mean, LAFC are just on a limb and I don't see it. I see nothing but a victory for LAFC. And LAFC have been so locked in with their results. They whatever yeah. they've wanted to put their minds to it, they under Steve True and Lazita, they have been able to execute. And that is the 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 situation. By the way, really strong words on uh douglas costa and, and yeah. to me he was looking like he was getting there he looked like he was fit he was having some nice plays and then he just <laughs> destroys it all and the, the league has to vet these players better and i'm thinking as well of 
uh, the Red Bulls now have this huge predicament with Dante Van Zier and I, uh, where he said a racial slur to Jeremy yeah. Bobasier. He said it to the San Jose Earthquakes. He is facing, it's the biggest story right now in American soccer circles. It's the last thing we want to be talking about. I mean, the mm-hmm. last thing, but when you talk about players coming here, you've got to make sure that they are on board, that they are going to give it their all. Douglas Costa has not. Dante Van Zier has these issues in place. There has to be some sort of screening to know that you're not bringing a player here who feels this way. And if he does, you don't bring him in or you, you have a real heart to heart and say, look, man, this is not how it operates here. You've got to eradicate that from your body. And God forbid you say anything like that nature, even in a flippant manner, because where you're coming from, that may not be such a big deal. Well, it's a big deal here. And, I, yeah. and all of a sudden, it's a huge parking break for the league because these high-profile players, many of them are available because they need this opportunity or they need a refresh or they want the money. Mm-hmm. And we bring them in, and then we're stuck here going, we're, this, the Red Bulls and the Galaxy are at a, are at a standstill because they're stuck yeah. with these players. Yeah, and the Galaxy went through this uh, about four years ago with a player who made whose wife made some – uh, racial comments on social media and the player's name escapes me and he played about three or four games and he was a big time signing from Europe. Uh, and I wish I could remember off the top of my head, but yeah. And, and this is part of, of setting standards and, and the code of conduct. And if you want to be considered elite and, and you want to rise, as you were saying, to become one of the premier leagues, one of the Serie A's, you know, one of the Bundesliga's of the world, then you have to set a high standard. That is for me, there's no place for that. Get it out of the game period. And, and Douglas Costa's case you and I know firsthand from from covering this guy back to his Bayern Munich days. You know, this was a guy you could put him arguably in, in, in a top five list during his heyday of exciting young players that's going to rip any opposing defense apart. And to see such a precipitous decline it, to me is astounding. Uh, let's not forget that Douglas Costa was deemed surplus to requirements by second division gremio is <laughs> hometown where he grew up i think that tells the story so and it also points to an issue i, I kind of think that you guys at lafc i i hold them in very high regard scouting international scouting and the way these teams are assembled i think what lafc does is bar none the the sets the highest bar in the league and and, and to all more power to him i think john John Thorington and his staff have done brilliantly to bring in players. It's the new model. It's the blueprint for success. Greg Vanny came into this team three years ago. There was barely, if any, a scouting department. And I, to me, that blows me away. As someone who's been around the game, why you wouldn't have two or three on each continent is beyond me. And that's going, you know, shoestring bare minimum. And to hear those comments saying, hey, we got to, you know, establish a culture. It starts with scouting. Starting with scouting, this is something that should have been in place years ago. And and I could harken back to comments from Ziggy Schmid in his second tenure who, you know, came to the front office and the front office didn't have any backup plans if said player would go. And, you know, you, you harken now to Julian Araujo leaving. You know, you know he's going to go at some point, a player of his quality. Why was there not a plan B in place? Because a player that's being sought after by Barcelona – who is at one time on Spurs radar, he, you damn well better know that, hey, you know, he's probably going to go. You better have a plan B in effect because, or a plan C or D or E, because that's the nature of the way things are going in MLS. These players are jumping ship and, you know, with you guys losing Rossi over to Turkey, you step in and one comes in on the conveyor belt. That is down to scouting and, you know, st- squad construction and scouting, I believe is so, so important to modern day MLS success. And that's something that the Galaxy you know, in the changing dynamic of signing big European players to the present dynamic of these young, exciting players predominantly coming from South America, that's something the Galaxy have really, really lagged behind on. Very well said, Miles. See, and it, the, the scouting has been a huge difference for LAFC and still going to be a big occasion on Sunday. Uh, we'll see. It's going to be loud, but probably from the LAFC supporters, they're <laughs> going to take advantage of some seats that they can go there. And it's going to be a it's going to be a strange dynamic. And maybe this is. If 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 something good comes of it, maybe it really brings everyone to the table for the galaxy because it could be bad, and you'll see a lot of black and gold there. And uh, the, the, the question it, to me is: the three five three two five two going to take over the Victoria block 
I mean, if that happens, well, I've been seeing some things where like these tickets are available at a very cheap price. Yeah, and they're like, do I want to sit there? But maybe there's these discussions. I mean, the, the the they have had some famous days going into that stadium. I wasn't say famous nights because the games are usually during the day. They've had some famous nights where they've gone in there and made their presence known. And I think this is going to be yet another example where they 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 just say we'll stake a claim. This is L- LA's uh, LAFC's city right now. And yeah. that's up to the Galaxy to keep up because they can, but they got to do a lot of work to do it. It just doesn't yeah. happen because you won these five championships. You've got to keep up with the Joneses. And to me, mm-hmm. I want both clubs to do well because a healthy um, scene here in this country, in this in this league, is the two L.A. clubs leading from the front. Yeah. Like they had when they were in the playoffs last season. You want to see that. You want to see them kind of pushing each other because they could reach incredible new heights. Yeah, rising tide lifts all boats. It's for me. It's the most. It, you know, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, and you know, didn't experience the MLS rivalry with with Seattle and Portland, but it was there at a much smaller scale. But still had that same vitriol and, and same passion. But this is for me the entertainment value. I mean, this is box office, and regardless of the, the state of each team they're in and, and the circumstances, it is box office football. It's MLS at its best. There's a reason why. Apple wanted more of these games, why everyone's clamoring to cover them. Um, and it's, you know, long may continue and long may they be competitive because the moment they don't, like you're saying, that's when you got to start to worry and say, you know, it's not so good. But yeah, it, it becomes it, like it, Barcelona it, Espanol, you know, Espanol is like another thing yeah, exactly. about from our, it's like they, they just get beat up every time. And once in a while, you don't want that. You want yeah. a, a healthy rivalry with both of them. Hey, Milesy, this, I, again, and I can't believe the amount of time that's flown by, but it's great to chat with you, man. You are really salt of the earth, one of the good people in this industry. I'm thrilled that I can call you a friend and even more so that I can bring you onto this little podcast and have a nice chit chat. Cheers, Max. It's been way too long. Let's do it again soon. We'll do it again soon. We'll see you out there Sunday and we'll see everyone out there Sunday for another big edition of this LA Derby as LAFC in the Classico uh, Angelino take on the Galaxy El Trafico, that for some will call it. Get into it. It's going to be a fantastic fixture. I'll be back with a brief stoppage time to talk about the return of USA Mexico. Yes, 13 months without playing. Finally have a game. here with stoppage time and can you believe it's been 13 months since we've had a usa mexico game you got to go all the way back to the world cup qualifier march of last year scoreless game at the azteca isn't that crazy we used to get these every few months so when they put together a game the inaugural all-state continental classico to be held at glendale arizona in that massive facility Popped up just last month, and now the game is here on April the 19th, which is a Wednesday. People didn't get excited, but I'm here to tell you, I know it's a game that was fabricated and means really nothing in the big picture of thing, uh, but get excited about it, because USA-Mexico games are sacred, and part of the reason those games are so popular is because they happen so frequently, and why it's in the conversation for most important soccer rivalry, because... It is played so regularly. Like we would like to think Germany, Netherlands, and Argentina, Brazil, but those countries don't play each other that often. And USA, Mexico, to me, has moved up the pecking order because we have more moments of those games, even though when it's kind of just created in a lab like this game was. But it's going to be packed. It's going to be an event. It's going to be serving a purpose. Diego Coca, the Mexican coach, and Anthony Hudson, the interim boss for the United States, they're only going to be picking domestic players, and uh, that's important because they weren't selected in the Nations League last month. So for those people who are saying we want a National League without MLS players, it doesn't work that way, and it shouldn't work that way. There's a lot of good players on this these MLS clubs that will make a national team better. And I'm, I'm, it's crazy that I have to even have this conversation with somebody. We all have to see that. And if you're a U.S. men's national team, you've got to watch MLS because you will see players that are making some headway eventually, like Brendan Aronson did, like Zach Steffen did, like Joe Scally did. Uh, it's it, The Nations League roster was predominantly MLS built. Anyway, I don't want to get beside the point, but there are even if it's just two or three guys that would be on the, the uh, 
desired U.S. men's national team for an important game, which will be coming up in the Nations League semifinals June 15th, where the USA will play Mexico again. Then you have the Gold Cup, where they announced all the venues recently. Uh, congratulations to all the new spots. It's exciting to see St. Louis and Cincinnati and Charlotte getting Gold Cup games, and hopefully fans show up. Hopefully tickets aren't astronomical, but that's wishful thinking. And then 2023 certainly takes shape. Then we start getting into 2024 with, uh, you know, the eyes on the Copa America. By the way, the under-20s have their World Cup in May. So the calendar is pretty full. The Olympics, we will be participating. That's coming up next year as well. So it's a lot coming on, but not that much. And you can't turn your eyes away from USA-Mexico. So appreciate it. And it's not a pointless practice by any means. So you are going to look to find these MLS players. And I think there'll be a couple foreign players. And by the way, you might be listening to this and the roster has been announced because it's April 19th. I'm recording this April the 11th. So it's coming pretty soon, thick and fast, probably today or tomorrow. If I haven't missed it, it has to be tomorrow. Uh, it's on the midweek. So MLS play teams can relinquish their players and get them back the following week. I know it's not a perfect situation or when you don't train with your club, you're not training at a high level. So you're going to come back probably Friday with your team and, maybe not be ready to play 90 minutes. So it will take a toll in that sense. So a lot of these clubs aren't going to want to part, part, part with three or four players. Not that that's really on the table for any. But the U.S. has a, a great opportunity here to keep burying Mexico. Last four games, all of which meant something. The United States, three wins and a draw. The World Cup qualifier in March. November 2021, the World Cup qualifier at TQL Stadium in Cincinnati. USA won that 2-0 prior August. And here, just to prove my point, how frequently they play and why 13 months is a long, long time. August was the Gold Cup final. USA wins it 1-zip. June, Nations League final. USA wins it 3-2. You got to go back to September of 2019 for the last time Mexico won. Remember, Mexico was winning everything and the U.S. were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What happened? And while we have... Uh, some criticism for the United States. And by the way, this sporting director, uh, coach thing has to, we've got to see some headway. I mean, it's getting late. I know they, they set the deadline for summer right before the Women's World Cup, but come on, let's go. If you want to appoint Anthony Hudson, I won't, I won't kill you for it. But I think the idea of getting a big-time manager elsewhere is that ship has sailed, no? There's some, good, there's some good coaches that could do the job here. I just want a coach at this point. So we got to get moving on. There's a lot of loose ends. Despite all the loose ends, the U.S. hitting their targets, right? With cap tying Alejandro Zendejas. Maybe he comes in for this game. I mean, he's playing in Liga MX. Uh, they're part of this, this game. Uh, Club America was uh, very generous in parting with Zendejas, which allowed him to get cap tied, as Johnny Cardoso did um, as well. And to a lesser degree, Taylor Booth, who I think he had Italian passport. He could have played there. He was always going to play for the U.S., but now he's cap tied. So maybe he comes. But all of that, the U.S. are hitting their spots. They've, when you look at results, you look at accomplishments, getting through to the Nations League semifinals. When you look at getting these players and obviously all the fanfare around Fulhar and Balogun, uh, the U.S. has been doing well. But we need to firm it up a little bit to move forward. Uh, these games will help. And now you can keep beating Mexico down. Remember, Canada's thrown the gauntlet. We talked about that last week where Kyle Lahren said, we are the Goliath. I mean, that Nations League is so compelling. You can have USA-Mexico, USA-Canada. I mean, sign, sign me up. That, that gives CONCACAF a real big feel. When a couple of years ago, that competition didn't, no one got really excited. But now we're like, okay, well, we're in. And uh, it's in Las Vegas, too, which should sweeten it. Allegiant Stadium is very, very uh, effective for a, a world-class soccer game. Stadium's still new, so they're fixing out some, some kinks along the way. But it's very good. But as for the roster... I mean, just some names that, I mean, I, I put together a really good 18-man roster. I want to mention before I go forward, Eric Williamson was part of it, but now I hear he's torn his ACL, he's out for the season, and I just, makes me ill to think about the hurdles that athletes are forced to clear and how it's so unfair for certain players. He's battled all the way back to get healthy, and now he is back out on the mend. Maybe there's something there with that surface up in Portland. Or playing up there on artificial surface in Portland and Vancouver and Seattle. Maybe. We should look into it. Uh, but Eric Williamson is now out. And 
I, you know, doing that twice. And Jordan Morris had two big knee surgeries, so he's been able to overcome that. But that's an outlier, right? So we wish Eric Williamson the best. He's a great guy, and he's an ex- exceptional player. And uh, it could have been so different, but this is the reality of sports. So unfortunately, he's not going to be on there. But just going back to fourth, I mean, Gaga Slonina probably gets brought in here. Um, Sean Johnson was a World Cup player. He's your goalkeeper. Defensively, Walker Zimmerman was a World Cup starter. You have Matt Miazga at FC Cincinnati. He certainly wants to put his hand up. You have a, a young defender in the Galaxy, Jalen Neal. You have great fullbacks, uh, real good fullbacks like Dewan Jones and John Tolkien. Um, there is uh, Paxton Pomac. Oh, DeAndre Yedlin is a fullback you can bring in. You have midfielders like Paxton Pomac, called James Sands, Christian Roldan. Uh, in addition to some other guys, this is just the MLS guys. Then in attacking-wise, Paul Ariola, Jordan Morris, who's the leading scorer in MLS, has eight. He's playing as good as he's played in the last, maybe ever, dead serious. I mean, the most goals he scored in an MLS season were 12. He's got eight. Jesus Ferreira, Brandon Vasquez, I think I said him. Nicolas Giochini has been doing pretty well with St. Louis. Maybe he gets brought into it. That's a, a guy that was brought in two years ago. People were applauding. So why not now? Just because he plays in MLS, I think we should still do it. Miles Robinson, still an MLS player, although he played on March, so I don't know about that. Zach McGraw's been coming up for Portland. Uh, how about uh, Kellen Acosta and uh, Alex Calabrese? I'm going to give him credit because he says bring in the entire LAFC midfield. Kellen Acosta, Timothy Tillman, who I think still needs to do a one-time switch. So I don't know if he'll be able to do it now. And Ilya Sanchez, who's just been getting his US citizen- USA citizenship. Why not? I love it. Kevin Paredes is a guy in the mix there as an under-20. He probably saves for... I mean, you have all those under-20s at MLS. The, you know, Josh Winder's also a USL player, but the Philadelphia guys, McGlynn and Sullivan, a lot of options here for the United States. So enjoy USA-Mexico. It's a one-off, middle of the week, not a lot going on. We have NBA playoffs, yada, yada, yada. Uh, enjoy it, and then let's get ready for the rest. It's a, it's, a, it's a place card to get us started for this next cycle. We're in it. World Cup will be here before you know it. The Soccer OG will be there along for the ride at every stop. Rate, review, download, subscribe. Check out the Soccer OG on YouTube under my name, Max Pretos. Always great to share some time with you. Love to hear from you. Drop me a note here. Drop me a note on YouTube. Drop me a note on social media. I'd love to interact. Until we meet again next week, Placido Domingo. Domingo.